0: Hello, internet friends, and welcome back to another episode of Go Ask Alice, the show where we jump down random internet rabbit holes and bring you wonderful factoids from our adventures in wiki wonderland. I'm Drew, and I make funny voices in my car when I'm alone.
1: (laughs) I'm Lindsay, and I make my soda
2: stream beg for mercy. (laughs) (laughs) Me too, and I'm Sarah, and I have a collection of ceramic cactuses. (laughs) (laughs) This is the show where we wander around the
1: internet starting from the same Wikipedia page every week. We just kind of go into procrastination mode and we click around until we find something that we cannot stop reading. According to us, Metrically Interesting is reading two paragraphs or more and once we have found such an article we are beholden to it and we have to introduce it to each other every week and to all of you.
2: So before we get started, let's start with our weekly question. So. Not only do I want to hear from my lovely co-host, but I want to hear from you guys on Twitter as well. So this question is, what flavor of ice cream does not exist, but absolutely should? I'm going to go with Lindsay first because she seemed very excited by this question.
1: <laughs> okay, I don't know about say, I was. I feel like... Passionate, I like, I soul searched for this question because okay. <laughs> when I was a kid, my favorite flavor of ice cream was cookie dough. And I don't know, yes, I but like, I don't know if I ever had this or it just existed in my head, but I mean, like, cookie dough without any chocolate chips, like, just cookie dough. And oh. for whatever reason, if there were chocolate chips in it, uh uh-uh, uh, that doesn't count. That's not good ice cream anymore. So I wanted just vanilla ice cream with cookie dough, and no chocolate <laughs> chips. Thank you.
2: That is very specific, but it also sounds really, really yummy.
1: Yeah, I get. I feel like kids just need like the sugariest, grossest abomination possible. Not that chocolate. Some for some reason, chocolate makes it healthier in my mind. (laughs) I don't know.
0: It's just just giving all of the fat.
2: I don't know. Okay, that is amazing. Okay, what about Drew?
0: I would say, you know, something... You know how there's always that green chocolate chip? Not chocolate chip. Green, like the, the mint chocolate chip. The mint chalk?
2: Uh-huh. That's that's Simon's favorite ice cream in the world. He would die for what it. What
0: if there was like strawberry chocolate chip and like chocolate Ooh. chocolate chip? So it's still minty, but it didn't have to be the green kind. I would like that. I think <laughs> Wait, I'd like that a lot. What?
1: Wait, so mint but just like a different color,
0: different well, color. no no it would be like yeah. it, it would have it would have like the strawberry flavor to it but it'd also be a little minty you know how it's got the like the chunks of mint in it you no, know would, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's strawberry
1: mint sounds disgusting <laughs>
0: I don't know. I think it'd be, oh I think it'd be pretty tasty. It, that's, I, I, I might be, I might be criminally insane, but that's, you know, it sounds pretty tasty to me.
1: I'm shaking my head.
2: Mm-mm. This sounds like, you know, the rainbow ice cream you can get though. Everyone's convinced that it has different flavors. And then when you're an adult and you realize you can <laughs> eat it with your eyes shut, it's just vanilla. No.
0: Have you noticed (laughs) that? No, I haven't.
2: (laughs) Oh, it was really a buzzkill. But it's still delicious. But I feel like this is your your multicolored mint choc chip.
1: (laughs) I imagine Sarah trying it as an adult and then just opening her eyes and throwing the
2: spoon.
0: (laughs) This is vanilla.
2: (laughs) Damn it! (laughs) Well, this is like the time, I don't know if I'm going to wreck this for you, my uncle was like, oh, you know, Fruit Loops, they all have the same flavor. Of course. Oh, and now I can't not eat Fruit Loops with my eyes shut to understand how <laughs> deceived I was as a child. I truly
1: thought it was the combination of all the flavors I was tasting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Spoonful.
1: Oh, oh, crap. They're still delicious. <laughs> Sarah, what's your favorite or what's your imaginary ice cream that should exist?
2: Okay, so do you guys have Kellogg's cereal? Yeah, yeah, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, do you have Special K? Yes. I love Special K. I could eat it until I die. I love it so much, (laughs) but I think it would make a great ice cream flavor. The Special K ice cream. Wait, just like buy it? Are you talking like plain
1: Special K, like the flakes, or because they yeah. have like almond and strawberry? No,
2: I want, I want the plain one. That's my favorite. That is. <laughs> it's very bland, but I think it's delicious. I can't believe you know. Before we started recording,
1: Sarah was like, "Oh, I don't know what I'm gonna say," and I'm like horrified that you came up with that on the spot because that's
0: genuine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway.
2: Drew, where did we start out this week? You picked it.
0: (laughs) Rangdang.
2: Do you want to tell everyone what rangdang is?
0: It's it's an Indonesian spice. It's probably pronounced rendang, but I I like (laughs) rangdang.
2: Drew really likes saying rangdang.
1: How far did we wander? I I took 19
2: clicks, I counted. Holy moly. (laughs) You're halfway across the internet. Yeah, well, right? that's
1: not including... I ended up um, downloading a book from 1860. <laughs> 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 and then so I called a friend of mine who has a PhD in this.
2: So I went, oh my God. I went like way You went awkward. all in. I, wow. Yeah, I really...
1: I went hardcore with my topic.
2: Oh my God, I'm so excited. I think I did maybe like five or seven clicks. Not too many.
0: I did uh, three.
2: Oh my god! Drew. Oh wow!
0: <laughs> I went down, well. Let me let me preface this. I went down like six different rabbit holes and found like couldn't find a thing. And then yeah, all and of I s- did two. Yeah, for, you. <laughs> for me. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I just like got in a zen moment and did three clicks, and I was like, I like this topic.
2: You, I can't wait. Speak to your soul. <laughs>
0: Yes, I did.
1: Of, oh my god! Instead of like the Ouija board, it's like
0: the
2: wiki board. <laughs> the
0: wiki board. <laughs> oh my I god! That's I our. Trust,
2: t- I would trust that more. <laughs> that's our T-shirt.
0: The wiki board. The wiki board. <laughs> oh
2: my god!
0: <laughs> I like you it. heard
2: it here first. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I love it. Okay, so where did we end end up? We started on rang dang
1: drew this better be more interesting
0: than chinese spies uh i ended up (laughs) on the history of beer okay very cool that is
1: interesting what about you i landed on the word genius oh wow
2: that's but it's not what you think okay i'm very excited to hear about it Mm -hmm. um and i landed on something called a lazarus taxon Oh, hell yeah. I'm into whatever that is.
0: So where to start?
2: Should we get drunk first? Ooh, I'm into it. The beer? That was clever. Yes.
0: So the, the history of beer. So as I said, uh, it took me three clicks to get here from Rang Dang. I had to include it. <laughs>
2: How'd you, how you get to, this? <laughs> Rang Dang. Rang
0: Dang. So <laughs> um, I got it from Ice Shipping. Uh, which of course in the past all cooling was done through ice and that linked me directly to beer of course cuz you got to have ice cold beer mm. and um
2: I didn't even I didn't even know know that they shipped things with giant cubes of ice They yeah. just
0: used to ship giant cubes of ice to like store in your little storage house your little your little chill house That's actually the like, then, the
1: region the sense. region of Syracuse or also where Drew and I went to undergrad in Colgate there used to be ice farms which were quite literally like Oh, places where they would like harvest these giant blocks of ice,
0: and then just transport it. Oh, that is so cool. (laughs) Yep,
2: literally, very very cool. (laughs) Yeah. Boo,
0: Boo. bad.
1: No, Uh, we can't both be. No, because it would
0: be two against one. Great job. Yeah, yeah, you have to support.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, sorry. Continue. So,
0: so, so, what I was interested in in beer was the history of beer uh because it's one of the oldest alcohols produced for consumption and as i said i'm not super interested in the brewing process or any modern beers i just really wanted to like find out what person went like i could boil this shit cool it down let it sit for a while and drink it and feel great and so that's where i started digging and so let's begin with the uh the etymology of the word beer just to just to start it out yeah so in in early forms of English and in the Scandinavian languages, the usual word for beer is just the word ale instead, but the word beer comes from present day, or comes to present day English from Old English bior <laughs> itself <laughs> from, common, that sounds fancy. from common Germanic. Uh, it was found in Western Germanic and Northern G- Germanic dialects such as Dutch and German, the word beer, oh, it's like the um, and then strips. Old <laughs>
2: <laughs> it is.
0: And then uh, <laughs> Old Norse, bior. <laughs> there's a J in there, and I love it. Um, bior. The, uh So the oh, earlier God. entomology of the word is debated, like the actual source of it. So there's three main categories that they think it came from. So they think it came from Proto-Germanic, the buza, which is like brewer's yeast or beer dregs. Um, the second mm. one is that it's related to the word barley. And then the third one is that it was borrowed from Latin, the, the word to drink, a bibra. Um, and so, oh, yeah, so. A
2: bibra. A bibra. Let's go have a bibra. <laughs> a bibra. <laughs> That'd be a great name for a bar. Ooh,
0: I like that. I Maybe like that. Bibra. Bibra, yeah.
2: <laughs> We're giving away ideas for free right now.
0: We're, right now, it's free. <laughs> we
2: really are. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So in Old English and Old Norse, the word beer did not denote the malted alcoholic drink that we're so familiar with, like ale, uh, but instead was a sweet, potent drink made from honey and juices of other fruit other than grapes, and was much less ubiquitous than ale, and was more similar a drink to mead or cider. And it is believed that this form of beer would be served in a kind of like tiny drinking cup that was sometimes found in early medieval graves. Ooh and uh
2: this is very cool this sounds more like my type of beer. <laughs> if it was more like mead or cider yeah
0: it actually rather than
2: like an yes. ale
0: yeah because it's very potent they said so i don't know i feel like that would be uh, kind of cool um so in is that how people ended up in the grave uh, i hope not <laughs> 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 we'll get to that <laughs> okay <laughs> we'll
2: get to it so dun dun,
0: <laughs> so, uh, dun, dun. <laughs> foreshadowing <laughs> So in German, uh, the meaning of beer, so this is where our meaning of beer actually came from, uh, expanded to cover the meaning of ale before our earliest survival writing, sorry, surviving written evidence. So a German hopped ale became fashionable in England in the late Middle Ages, and the English word for beer took the German meaning, and thus English beer during, during our period is denoted as a hop-malted alcoholic drink. And so beer and ale kind of became synonymous because the Germans were like, ah, eh, it's the same thing. So, you know,
1: oh, it, I it, never <laughs> thought that I had that question until this moment.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, what's the difference like between beer and, beer and ale? Beer and ale. Well, there you go. The, the Germans kind of put those together. So a beer used to be uh, a very potent drink versus what it is now. Uh, so that's where the word beer came from. Now let's dive into where beer actually came from. So beer, as I said, is one of the oldest prepared alcoholic drinks and the earliest archaeological evidence of fermentation consisted of it was was found in thirteen thousand sorry. The earliest archaeological evidence of fermentation consists of thirteen thousand year old residue of beer with the consistency of gruel, used in the, semi-nomadic, no, the used by the semi nomadic uh, Nutufians for ritual feasting at the Rechafet Cave in Camel Mountains in Israel. Oh, that's another so good found, word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> rack-a-fet. rack who's, um, who's causing
1: all this rack a
0: Oh, he's calling it a over there. Yeah, uh, so, that's what I'm going
1: to say to my cats. <laughs> <laughs> what is, is this, rack cave? rack
0: <laughs> cave? <laughs> 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 uh, camel Mountains? <laughs> I can't,
1: uh, camel mountain?
0: <laughs> hey, wait, the Israel? <laughs> I
1: pay rent here. This isn't Camel Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, continue. <laughs> I
0: just, so there's... I was just I was looking at my
2: cat and pointing while you were talking. I was like, that's <laughs> you." he's talking about. <laughs> Did he react or was he just like, yeah, whatever. It's another she day. just
1: aggressively put her head back
2: down and started sleeping again. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> oh, precious BB. Uh,
0: so there's Evans that beer was produced in another one. Uh, Goba Kelly... Uh, sorry, Goba Kelly... Tepe during the pre-pottery Neolithic era, so that's 800, uh, sorry, 8,500 BC and three 5,500 oh. BC, so it's between those two times. So the earliest clear chemical evidence of beer production from barley dates back to 3,500 BC to 3,100 BC from the site of the Godin Tepe in the Zagros Mountains of western Iran. Awesome. So it is... It is possible, but not proven, that it could date back even further than that, back to 10,000 BC, where cereal was first farmed.
2: That's amazing. So, wow. So
0: beer is super old. People
2: have been getting drunk for a while.
0: And, you know, so actually, so beer in recorded history, there's, there's a part where, uh, let me get to this. So uh, beer is recorded in written history in ancient Iraq and ancient Egypt, And archaeologists archaeologists speculate that beer was instrumental in the formulation of civilizations. Instrumental in the formulation of civilizations. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, wait, hold on. Is that what separates man from animal, is that we get drunk?
0: Beer, yeah, exactly. (laughs) So approximately 5,000 years ago, workers in the city of Uruk, sorry, Uruk, uh, which is modern Iraq, uh, I guess you could see that, were paid in volumes of beer and not money they were paid in volumes of beer um during the building of the great pyramids in giza in egypt of course each worker got a daily ration of four to five liters of beer which served as both nutrition and refreshment and that was crucial to the construction of the pyramids beer is crucial to the construction of the pyramids
2: (laughs) holy shit! so they built the pyramids while drunk and tipsy yeah
0: well (laughs) and they are
2: perfect triangles that's incredible
0: (laughs) So
2: I'm a and not some like <laughs> half like weird, weird shape, shape that's falling over. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so uh, some of the earliest Sumerian writings contain references to beer. Examples include the prayer to the goddess Ninika Ninikas, N- that's not right. Ninkasi, that's the one. Um, so include a prayer to the goddess Ninkasi, known as the Hymn to Ninkasi, which served as both a prayer and a method of remembering the recipe for beer in a culture with few literate people. So they were trying (laughs) to remember how to make beer, so they made a prayer to basically, (laughs) basically (laughs) to remember how to do it. And then I don't know if you remember this line in Gilgamesh, but uh, fill your belly day and night, make merry was recorded in the Epic of Gilgamesh, of course, by the alewife Siduri. Um, And in May... It may have, uh, this may be a reference to actually the consumption of beer. And then we have the Ebla tablets discovered in 1974 in Ebla, Syria, showed that beer was produced in the city in 2500 BC. And then uh, now to China, a fermented drink using rice and fruit was made in China around 700, sorry, sorry, 7,000 BC. And unlike sake, mold was not used to sacrifice the rice, which is a different form of fermentation. And the rice was probably prepared for fermentation by chewing or malting. And then we get to India. And during the verdict period in India, in ancient India, there are records of consumption of beer-like substance called sura. And then Xenophon noted that during his travels beer was being produced in armenia so beer is literally all over the world and is being independently created all over the world which is just uh uh, just a nuts nuts thing to me and truly beer is the formation of civilization
1: when you consider that we are like all extensions of nature it's just very funny to me that nature was hell-bent that we make beer
0: yes exactly
1: (laughs) <laughs> I did this. You'll finish it. <clears throat> Let's go.
2: <laughs> and that's how mankind goes out. In a drunken stoop. <laughs>
1: I love it. Yeah. Wow, that's really so, fascinating. So wait, did I hear you correctly before that, that you said awesome. that people chew, like in other parts of the world, will chew the beginnings of...
0: Or yes. To Start the ferment really process really. through chewing.
2: Yeah, that is... Oh my god, so they would have like a communal Chew, and then they would Spit it into a bowl?
0: Yes, kind of Like, oh, don't like that At first
2: I was grossed
1: out, but then I started Thinking that that's actually Beautiful,
2: that like
1: Oh my (laughs) god Like, Your inner hippie is coming uh, out. Yeah, I love no, it. That, 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 <laughs> that this is a man-made process mm. that has to be started with our enzymes. And that it just like went yeah. back. In, it in was just like this reciprocal relationship of like, we are oh, creating okay. it with our enzymes. And then it apparently fuels us to make the pyramids.
0: Yep.
2: So scientifically, it sounds beautiful. But I think in reality, it would be horrifying to see hundreds of people... <laughs> chewing and then spitting it into the communal barrel on a
1: in a not (laughs) podcast related um uh bout of procrastination I started looking into the history of spitting um (laughs) and um oh my god what did you find so I I had found that you know the like spittoons in uh like like old time well actually maybe you don't know like yeah, oh, yeah. okay okay yeah like like old timey kind of yeah. like you're ch- chewing tobacco or whatever and like you're in a bar and you spit in a spittoon well so first of all people would spit into these and it would just be full of spit but then second of all very poor people traveling would go to taverns and bars and saloons and be like can i sleep on your floor And so they would sleep among the spittoons. But then also it was so common Mm. that there would be rags hanging from the bars and people would wipe their mouths with these rags. And then not these rags were never washed. And so disease spread like freaking crazy because of spitting. And so to to like combat this, I, I don't think people really knew so much about like germs back then. So they just outlawed spitting. Yeah. There you go. That'll do it.
2: <laughs> so, yeah,
1: that's my tangent. That had nothing to do with this.
2: It's a great tangent, though. I'm very, very happy we went on it. <laughs>
1: I'm kind of embarrassed so, that these are the things I look at. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, so beer was spread through Europe by Germanic and Celtic tribes as far back as 3000 BC. And it was mainly brewed on a domestic scale. So, you know, of course. So you wouldn't actually have a communal pot. This would all be brewed, you know, in your home.
2: Your family pot.
0: Yeah, your little family pot. So that's not as gross. Nice. Um, And the product the early Europeans drank most likely would not look like the product that we know as beer. But, you know, because they had, um, outside of their basic starch source, each, year, not each European, the early Europeans um, contained fruit. Honey and numerous types of plants, spices, and even narcotic herbs that they would add to these these beer recipes, and that's how they would produce beer, which um, is a little different than what we have now, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> but one thing that they didn't contain was hops, which was added later. Uh, that's around 1822 is when is when hops were added to beer first. Um, so in that's so eight, recent. In 15- yeah, not, I mean, more recent than beer. <laughs> it's like basically
1: now when you think about the age of beer. Yeah,
0: yeah, honestly. Yes. So in 1516, William IV, the Duke of Bavaria, adopted the the Rhein-Heistabat, which is a purity law, uh, which, uh, which is perhaps the oldest food quality regulation still in the use in the 21st century. Mm. And according to this... It allowed only so it allowed only three ingredients to beer, which was water, hops, and barley malt. And so, beer had to be had to only include those three by the purity law. And um, beer produced before the Industrial Revolution continued to be made and sold on a domestic scale. Although by the seventh century AD, beer was being produced by the early European monasteries. And then, of course, when we get to the Industrial Revolution, the beer was being produced instead of being like an artisanal. Uh, Manufacturers and industrial manufacturer instead, and the domestic manufacturer kind of ceased to be significant by the end of the nineteenth century. So the development of uh, hydrometers and thermometers changed the whole brewing process because brewers had more control over, you know, how the beer was actually going to taste. And funny enough, in 1912, brown bottles. This is when brown bottles were actually first implemented. Um, by the Joseph Schultz Brewing Company in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, in the United States, and this innovation has been accepted worldwide and prevents harmful rays from destroying the quality and stability of the beer. And now we get into modern times. Oh, makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Um, in modern times, uh, we have the brewing industry, which is, you, know, a huge global business. And as of 2016, more than 1,000 I'm sorry, 133 billion liters, or 35 billion U.S. gallons oh, wow. gallons of beer. Are sold per year, producing a total global revenue of 294.5 billion dollars in U.S. dollars. Oh my god! And oh my god! In China, beer consumption hit 450 million hectoliters, or 400 or 45 oh. billion liters, nearly twice that of the United States, but only 5% sold were. Oh
2: my god!
0: So this is a a, a huge industry, and. Um, uh, one thing that was recently published was a study that suggests that decreases in barley production due to extreme drought and heat in the future could cause substantial volatility in the availability of price and price of beer. So climate change is coming oh for God. our beer, which is unfortunate.
2: This is how humanity ends. <laughs> it's going to be a war over the barley for beer.
0: Exactly. It's going to be a war. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I predicted it. But. I
1: love. I go. love how every, we've been like warned about clean water for years. And I do feel like the barley thing is going to mean more to people, but I think I'm very pessimistic.
0: (laughs) 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 No, I'm with you though. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, beer turned out to be super important when it comes to civilization. I didn't know. I thought it was just going to be like, oh, a few people produced it, but no, it's like produced literally all over the world. And I just like found it so funny that it was like, created at so many different times and discovered by so many different people but you know at all it it was just in in the end it was just you know created to make you feel good and you know i guess alcoholic fermentation is an inherent you inherently ubiquitous kind of thing and so i just i think it's just so cool that beer was you know created all over so yeah that's a little brief history of beer
2: that's awesome i think that's amazing Thank you. No That's more problem. Than I've I have was... never known about beer. <laughs> yeah, that is more than I ever thought I would know about beer. <laughs> it's awesome, though.
0: Yeah, it was. Uh, it was really interesting, and I, I got to it, and I was like, I, I have to write on this. Like, beer is so is so present that you know who knew it was going to be, what like ten thousand. 10,000, 13,000 years ago that it was first produced that like the stuff we're still drinking is still, you know, was produced way back when.
1: Like you said, like the the process of it is also, it's not like it just shows up, like it's kind of involved. Um, So that's yeah. really cool that like, you know, even before modern humans really, I, I don't know, it, it's like it to me, it's like a feat of engineering that happened very early
2: on. <laughs> yeah. Well, how do you even discover that back in the day? Like, because someone, like, when they were doing it with the fermentation from the, the enzymes in our saliva, someone had to <laughs> chew that, spit it out, wait a while, and then eat it
0: again.
2: <laughs> and then realize it gave them a buzz.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> I mean, someone had to do it. Just to-
2: who did I feel that? like that would have been my
1: ancestors like like just forgetting <laughs> forgetting that we ate it and then coming back and trying to be like Ugh, and then be like wait <laughs> it's like the
2: kombucha girl <laughs> like no no
0: wait mm-hmm. maybe yes oh my
2: god i love the kombucha girl <laughs> that's what it was like
0: <laughs> yeah
2: Ah, thanks for teaching us that drew
0: you're welcome you're welcome
2: yeah thanks drew so what was yours on again Lindsay?
1: genius maybe that's what you think oh i'm intrigued let's
0: go with it
2: would you yeah (laughs) yeah go with it
1: so okay so something i know that you don't (laughs) which is a lot right now (laughs) because you're a genius no, 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 um, no, it's that my in parentheses next to the word genius is the word mythology. Oh, oh, and that's why I clicked on this, because I was like, who's who's genius in mythology? Like, I've never heard of this. Um, yeah. and it's not really it's not a who, it's a what. Oh, oh, OK, um, Yeah. So um, <laughs> the punchline up front is is that according to the ancient Romans and ancient Greeks, you are never alone. Okay. Oh,
2: I needed more reason not to sleep at night.
1: <laughs> no, 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 no. It's in a good way. It's
2: <laughs> Oh, okay. It's like in a nice way. Okay, okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like someone always
2: cares and, and you're guided. Um, oh, that's s- not... Na- wow, that shows some insight into my psyche, doesn't it?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Someone's after me. Yeah, they say... <laughs> <laughs>
2: you listen oh, dear. To a lot of okay. true crime that's why i do i love true crime it's just <laughs> the worst of humanity and it's fascinating
1: oh sarah <laughs> <laughs>
2: um
1: okay the, the truth of it is that you're always guided and accompanied by your genius um oh and my god you have you have every individual has a genius and this is like a if i was to describe it with like modern terms or even like you know uh like catholic terms honestly i would mm. say this is something that's like a, a mix of like your guardian angel, but with kind of like the best version of yourself, like your your highest, most ascended form, like the purest form of you that basically came straight from the divine, but is not human. Oh, wow. So it's almost like your soul, but better. Yeah, because it's weird. <laughs> it's like there. it's like the, it has this external quality,
2: but it is you. That's um, really cool. I like that idea that you're always followed by the better you. Yeah,
1: and and it's what's what was fascinating to me was that the ancient Greeks and the ancient Romans kind of like thought of divinity, because of course they were polytheist, but they mm-hmm. thought of divinity as a whole as being kind of this realm or this entity that they were a part of, but still separated from as humans. And so mm-hmm. the kind of attitude, to put it just, like, very roughly, the attitude was, well, I don't totally understand divinity, but I can venerate and respect the fact that life must have some divinity to it. So, like, for example, on their birthdays, the ancients would offer, like, gifts to their genius, like wine, incense, oh, yeah. flowers, Um, kind of this this idea that's, like, um, They I, actually the quote that I lifted out of this book from 1860. I just love this phrasing. It, um, You you are venerating the great unknown
2: of yourself.
0: Oh, oh my. I like that.
2: This, you, this kind of reminds me of like the modern day treat yourself. <laughs> <laughs> treat yourself. Yeah. And, and it, it, you know, it's kind of saying like, hey, there's
1: something special about you. There's something special about this gift of life. And every year on on your birthday, for example, it's a great time to stop and reflect and and give offerings to whatever it is that connects you to divinity.
2: Oh, I think that's lovely.
1: I I love this, too. And so I I had hinted that I reached out to a friend of mine. So I have a very close friend who studies specifically um, (laughs) poetry and witchcraft and ancient, like the classics. So. She is exactly this cross section of like religion to the ancients, but also really like the more kind of occult underpinnings. And so I asked yeah. her, like, you know, what can you tell me about a genius? And she actually sent me pictures of her genius, which <laughs> actually <laughs> what I realized that sentence as it came out, I was like, yeah, well, okay, sorry. Oh, she God. sent me pictures. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> The way that this, um, fuck, I'm reminded of Spongebob, but he's like, Patrick, he's your genius showing. is showing. Where? Yes! <laughs> <laughs> um, the way that this was kind of like physically represented was that um, men would have a, a statue that kind of seemed, uh, it's a bit like, like Zeus, and then women would have one that's a bit like Hera-ish. Okay. Or I think it's like uh Juno and I'm totally blanking on
2: uh Jupiter. Is it Jupiter? I know Juno was the wife of Jupiter. Okay, okay, then that's probably But Jupiter wrong. also had a lover. Oh, but many. Many lover, yeah. Yeah, classic. yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. Classic God. Polytheistic and polyamorous. Oh, baby. <laughs>
2: But, um, put that on a t-shirt <laughs> <laughs> we're on a fucking roll <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: so um, she okay so she sent me a picture of her statue that represents like her genius and um, it's not like of course the book was just talking about kind of this veneration on your birthday but it's really like for any occasion like you know you come home and you say like thanks for this great day like here's a penny or something you know like Probably not so, like, flippantly. But, like, you know, it's kind of like you don't need a reason to be thanking your genius or connecting to your genius. And, in fact, it extended beyond individuals. So you may have heard the phrase genius loci or loci?
2: Mm. Yes. I
1: don't know if you guys
2: have...
1: You've heard of this? I, I
2: think I've... Yeah, I think I've heard of it, but I don't know what it means.
1: So a genius loci is, like, the spirit of a place. Oh, so That's so cool. Like, houses, volcanoes, restaurants, open fields, all of them have a genius loci, which is just a fancy way of saying, like, their own genius, their own guardian angel, their own, you know, uh, ascended self. And so, um, there would be a lot of art in ancient Greece and Rome depicting the genius loci. Like, you could think of it as, like, a... Sorry, I keep flipping my pronunciation. It's because I really it's don't Losa. know how to say it. But... Uh, yeah. Loci, but like ancient Greek has the the hard k sound for a c like k- kaiser
0: uh, we do for in genetics, it's a locus or a loci
1: loci okay, oh like plural is like yes. loci okay okay okay, okay sorry, sorry anyone if they're if they're like really into Greek and Latin and cringing right now I'm really <laughs> <sorry>. um. <laughs> <laughs> but in, instead of, like, you know, you walk into a restaurant and instead of, like, uh, representing the restaurant as, like, a picture of the front, you know, the edifice or something, it would be almost this, this anthropomorphized, like, version of the place that is the oh, geni- wow. genius loci or loci, sorry. Um, and so I wrote down, like, a little, like, how to spot a genius. Like, what does this look like actually in art? Um, So sometimes it takes the form of a serpent because this is like renovation or new life, you know, like Mm -hmm. shedding of the skin. Um, And so I I guess maybe connected to this, or I should have said before, is that the power of a genius is to produce life. It is this life-giving force that's to you or to existence of a thing or a place, really any noun, right? And so... um, these, these things would otherwise be inert and have no influence until the genius shows up and instills life or until the work of the oh, genius wow. has
2: commenced. Oh, okay. Um, That's and really cool. I like that, that it, it applies to places as well. Like yeah. some places give you, give you life or give and you meaning in your life.
1: And it's right. And it's not, it's not, No, it's not always like human centric kind of a thing. It's like, it has it, like, you know, animals or, um, places kind of have a protecting spirit simultaneously. So it's like, you need to respect the genius of the place that you're walking into. Oh, that's so
2: nice. Like it's a respect for existence.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, in a way that, to me, kind of right off the cuff says, there is something, you know, everything about existence is, is this divine miracle, so to speak. And so we should respect the spirit of a place, of an animal, of a person. Um, and some some of the other, sorry, to get back to the, the list that I, was, <laughs> that I derailed myself from, some of the other things in works of art are like winged beings. So to me, this like reminds me of like, kind of like a guardian angel sort of mm-hmm. a thing, where it's, you know, yeah. again, the ascended self. Um, a youth dressed in a toga, which to me is like all of Greek art. Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um But I guess you know more specifically, it's like if a youth is ho- holding a, a cornucopia, so this idea of like potential okay. or teeming
2: abundance of life. Mm. Um, this just, I this just remind me of like toga parties. Yeah. Even yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, it just what reminds me of like a toga party <laughs> where everybody is young and really dumb.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you're showing your genius that way.
2: But if we were to take a photo of it and like turn it into some like art that looks like it's from ancient Greece, people would be like, ah, oh, yes, the wise. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> what veneration takes place here? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Lots um, of drunk teenagers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so of course the, the question for me at least that came from all of this was like okay how does this actually become genius the way that we use it today um yeah. because you know if someone calls you a genius if, if this is your definition like that's a massive compliment
0: yeah 100%
1: to be like you that are, is a huge
2: compliment you you're are the most
1: yeah you're the most ascended being you could possibly be like you're a step away from the divine like that's awesome but Actually, it's, it's a fairly modern term. I was very shocked. Like, I, like, didn't want this information because I wanted to live in the world I created. Um, <laughs> the, the, like, over-romanticized <laughs> one. <laughs> um, so, so if you take the word genius as I've described it, but you mm-hmm. also conflate it with the Latin noun ingenium, which means an inborn nature or talent. Oh, Okay. So, if you combine genius, the way I've said it, and ingenium, inborn nature nature or talent, then you get somebody who is naturally gifted with a divine sense.
0: Hmm. Okay, I could see that. So, it's not okay, necessarily... So
2: like, mm-hmm. Not the same as being your genius, it's just...
1: Yeah, it, it speaks to this, like, intuitive communication with mm-hmm. your genius okay. to say, like, you know, Mozart is a genius, and it must be that he's divinely inspired or has this natural talent. I think that's really the key right. that's, that makes it different, is that you have some kind of yep. natural talent where you are maybe very in tune with your genius. And this term actually comes about in the, in the 1700s.
0: Oh. Oh,
2: wow. That's really, that's much later than I thought it was going to come about. Yes, me
0: too. Now, now I'm disappointed. <laughs> me, that's why I,
2: I know,
1: I wanted to leave this behind. <laughs> um but i i wanted to to just like end on a quote that i thought was really nice um the way so there's an encyclopedia encyclopedic entry uh for genius so the definition of genius combining these ideas is um that a genius is interested by all that is in nature never to receive an idea unless it evokes a feeling everything excites him and noth- on which nothing is lost
2: that is lovely wow <laughs> but Sorry. also i don't like the gendering of of he but i guess back then it was, it was more mankind i think it, i think that was
1: the i could i could replace it with one everything excites oh, yeah, that one sounds nice. <laughs> that
2: sounds nice. I appreciate that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Everything excites them and on which nothing is lost. So I took that really to mean like a genius, a true genius is in love with everything that nature and life has to offer and has this very exploratory um, nature for it and, and engaging with it in a very personal way.
2: It's like they're in awe of just being alive and existing. Yes. Yes. I love that.
0: That's, that's really something.
2: Okay. Are you guys ready to learn about Lazarus taxon? Yes, yes.
0: please.
2: Okay. I'm so excited about this one. I, I did not think I was going to end up here. I started clicking around on, from Rang Dang, started clicking around on like different food, ended up with fish, and then I clicked on this fish that was classified as a Lazarus taxon. And I was like, ooh, that sounds really jazzy. I need to know what that is. Um. So in paleontology, a Lazarus taxon um, is uh, so a taxon so like either a species or an organism that disappears for one or more periods from the fossil record but then reappears <gasps> later. So it's something that looks like it has either gone extinct or have, has been completely wiped out from the record. so um, most likely was extinct. but then they find it either in later fossil records or living in real time, which is really really cool. Oh my god. Um, yeah um so uh it was coined um by this researcher in 1986 so it was it was called lazarus based on the gospel story of of jesus rising lazarus from the dead which i am not familiar with but i take it he rises this dude from the dead um and so these are kind of this is what's happening with these species and these organisms is they look like they had just disappeared from the face of the planet and here they are what i found was really fascinating is that basically so this lazarus taxa or this this phenomenon that we see is completely an observational artifact Um, and i find this so fascinating because a lot of the work that i do and that Lindsay does as well is looking at observations of the universe through different data maybe it's light or it's x-ray or whatever data we're looking at and something that is really tricky is trying to figure out if you have observational artifacts so is something that you're seeing truly a physical phenomenon Mm -hmm. or is it caused by either something else that is physical or something else that is artificial in whatever you're creating like whatever's creating slash taking your data and so for this the this artifacts so this observational artifact occur- occurs because of the way that fossils have been uh either preserved or are found and then studied because when you think about it so fossils we only get to look at very specific areas of the world when, when we go fossil hunting um or when we take big core samples it's not like we're able to sample every patch so it's quite sporadic um and and also uh, conversely on the other side back when these things were existing before becoming fossilized not everything gets fossilized so you have to exist in a very or we have to die basically in a very unique circumstance with the right type of um, floor bedding under you the right type of environment to be able to become a fossil Uh so it, it really is this like artifact of both if the thing died in an environment that was not Conducive to creating a fossil, it wouldn't become a fossil. Or it, it is also the where we're looking for our fossils that is not completely representative of everywhere else. If that makes sense. Yes. So that's like trying to drop you know a human in the middle. Like if you dropped a human in the middle of Australia, in in the Big Simpson Desert, they could walk for literally hundreds of kilometers without seeing another living soul or plants. And they might just, you know, come to the conclusion that there is nothing living out there, but it's the, the place that they've been put. Uh, so I thought, I thought that was really, really cool.
1: That's, that's fascinating. So are mm. there examples of how <laughs> this has happened before?
2: Yes. I'm so glad you asked. I have, <laughs> th- I have three examples of my favorites that I really liked. Um, so we're going to start with the Leo Tang rock rat. <laughs> okay. Which, if you say that three times fast, it turns into gibberish. <laughs> so, he's really cute. I'm going to send you a link to him because I, I clicked on him because he's pretty dang cute. and We'll put pictures up on, on the Twitters as well. He's just got, he, he looks like a cute little rat. Maybe a little bit chubbier. Oh, he's got a bushy tail. tail. Oh. Isn't he cute? Yeah. He's a happy little guy. He
1: looks like a like a really tough chinchilla.
2: <laughs> yes, he does. He's so cute. Oh wait, I
1: see in the in what you sent it's it's nicknamed the rat squirrel.
2: Yeah, it's a rat squirrel cuz he kind of has that bushy tail. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's like if you took the worst
2: parts of both animals <laughs> <laughs> and smooshed them together. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, so he got his super creative name of, uh, rock rat because he lives in, uh, oh, they live in limestone. So they, they can burrow in this like very like softer rock and kind of live in these rock faces. Um, and so because of that, they are in several fossil records because of the environment, very great at creating, uh, fossils, um but until very recently they they were thought to have gone extinct about 11 million years ago and that's where they oh. kind of drop out of the fossil record they're not seen anymore so we just assumed they were extinct and then fast forward to 1996 uh someone discovered a living one of these and was like huh oh, he looks very similar to this fossil and it wasn't until they did a full analysis that they're like oh he <laughs> is this fossil and so he was kind of like brought back from this dead which i thought was really really cool <laughs>
1: that's really freaking awesome
2: so he's uh, they they are really sweet these little rock rats um and so my next one is not as cute because it's a tree trees are still still adorable um but it, this is something called uh the Woolamai pine um and i was really interested in this because it, it was from here in australia so uh it was found in a, in a few different fossil records um and so they thought that this was a type of pine tree that had completely gone extinct. They'd never observed it in the wild. In the extensive um, like research they were doing into Australia's rainforest, um, they'd never seen it in the wild. Uh, and then, again, it wasn't until the late 90s, or sorry, mid-90s, so it was 1994, that someone discovered a very similar type of plant in this ro- uh, rainforest. Um, and so when they went investigating, they realized that this plant was growing right next to the original Wollemar pine and so it was named after the the National Park that's why it's got its name Um, and so what they discovered is that it's only growing in very remote narrow kind of strips of different sandstone gorges in Australia Um, and it, it only grows within like about 150 kilometer radius so a very small radius that it grows in compared to the rest of the world. Um, And so basically, if you weren't looking in that exact area, you would have never found it living again. Um, And it would have always considered to be extinct, which I just thought was really fascinating that you have to basically stumble upon it in the middle of nowhere to be like, oh, that does exist.
1: But it's also amazing to me because trees are just like so much bigger than a human. Like I could understand like losing something small. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Like losing the rat, for example, right? Fair enough. Or some kind
1: of bacteria. <laughs> sure. But like, when it's a whole fucking tree, it's like, who missed this?
2: <laughs> who didn't do their job that day? <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's clearly been here for years, <laughs> For
1: millions and millions of years. And it's not like it hides at night. Like, how did, how did we that's miss true. That? They don't run away.
0: doesn't doesn't move much
1: it's amazing to me I mean like I get it it's like remote regions but it's also like that was a whole fucking tree there are multiple trees they they are not moving
0: (laughs) (laughs) but it it really hits me how how, I hate to use this word how stochastic of a process it is of forming fossils how it's just like it has to be it has to be so perfect for a fossil to form that it makes so much sense that you miss this stuff because it's just like you know if it's not the perfect scenario the fossil's not going to form so you're not going to find that all over the world and because you're not going to find that all over the world you're not going to find These fossils of certain things so it it makes so much sense as to why this this could happen yeah
2: exactly and isn't it fascinating though that because fossils are so specific so we have a lot of dinosaur fossils because they they died in like the muddy type of ground that was very good at kind of preserving and then fossilizing their bones but i think it's fascinating for all of the species that have existed that did not fossilize like we can imagine that or or if they did the number compared to the number that it would have would have existed like there has to be some percentage of of life on this planet that we will never ever know existed because it is not Mm -hmm. in some recordable record for for us to find which i think is amazing and then it's also like you think to the way way future you know if we don't destroy earth with our climate emissions um like what will earth look like in a million years and what are all the things that we just take for like granted today like i don't know like a giraffe or a llama like will people know that they existed like if they didn't have any of our written records because like would they be fossilized i don't know like i think that's really fascinating
1: yeah i really never thought of fossilization as a delicate process i just thought of it as like to me, like the the rarest element would be something undisturbed for so long. But then, when you start to factor in, um, you know, like the materials that have to be nearby, or even probably like the pressure that's needed to actually mm. like create an imprint or anything like that, like it gets it gets so rare that I'm like, how do fossils even exist? Like it's just yeah, kind right? of like an amazing thing. How does a leaf make an imprint <laughs> in a rock? You know, <laughs> it's like that's incredible. Um, so yeah, it is really very interesting to think of the things that we just take for granted every day that um yeah that really could have no trace whatsoever because of the the climates that it's in just simply yeah
2: i think i think that's amazing and kind of mind-blowing to think about um so i've got one more example of a true like lazarus uh taxa so this was found in fossil records and then rediscovered living Um, and this is called a bush dog and these are found in Central and South America Um, and they too are also very very cute so let me send you the link and again we'll put pictures up on the Twitters look at that little face
0: and the little tail he looks like a dog red
2: panda (laughs) (laughs) or he looks like a cat that you got what exactly (laughs) <laughs> he's angry he's, he's an angry boy um so so sweet so they, they're not huge they are quite little um but again they were found in a few different fossils and thought to have, have gone extinct
1: he's wearing boots yeah he looks like he is wearing little booties
2: <laughs> yeah, sorry that's okay got i love bones. dogs with boots <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah thought to have gone extinct and thought to have been one of the like the ancient relatives of modern day doggos that we have Um, until in 1843 one of these um, researchers identified him again but they didn't realize it was exactly the same thing so they kind of they put it down to a different uh, species and uh, same genome but different species Um, and then a few years later they, they realized in the 20th century so you know 50 50 or so years later that this was actually the exact same taxa as the original fossilization um which i think is so cool how do you how do you make a discovery like that
1: you know like it's like like i'm imagining you know those like true crime kind of things where like somebody's standing in the store and then it's like breaking news this person like is a murderer on the loose and then you see like you know the person at the cash register is like the same face as the person like on the tv screen that's my worst <laughs> and you yeah you're like <laughs> you're like oh my god that's you but then like who the fuck is like walking around with a fossil and then they see this
2: animal and they're like wait a minute that's you yeah and you have to do such like to <laughs> identify a fossil you got to break down all of their different like bone structure and have a look at the living well it's not living anymore when you've got it in the lab but you have to look at the the living thing that you found and uh, in detail and it's really fascinating that they can especially before we had like gene and dna sequencing to be able to confirm like species relatedness Uh back in the the early 20th century i think that's
1: also what's kind of amazing is that you you have to have this present knowledge in your mind of what this animal is, but also you've kind of got to have it right because, you know, what if there are modern day dinosaurs running around, but because we don't draw dinosaurs with feathers, we don't realize that what we're looking at, like, is still running around, you know?
2: Like, I don't I'm know. blow yeah. your mind. Chicken. Ch- I know. Are yeah, chicken a basically modern day dinosaurs. Oh, I, I know. I know. Their little feet, they have the. Everyone should Google a chicken foot compared to a T-Rex foot. They have the exact same bone structure bar one bone. Like fascinating. I love thinking of little T-Rexes just being giant fluffy chickens. (laughs) With teeth. (laughs) With teeth, yeah. Big on the teeth. (laughs) Big on the teeth. Aggressive chicken.
1: But it's kind of, it's like, I don't know, you need to, you need to have the idea in your head so right so that if you saw this thing, you'd be like, that's what you are.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, you really I do. could
2: never have done that. I'm yeah. a bad scientist. I don't remember things.
0: <laughs> That's not our job. That's not
2: not our pay grade. <laughs> <laughs> not our pay grade.:
1: <laughs> That is really cool.
2: So they were my examples of like true Lazarus taxa so they were fossilized and then found again Um, but then there's some other examples of things that aren't quite Lazarus taxa but very similar principles so things that in our human lifetime people have thought have gone extinct but then have been rediscovered so they're not necessarily just in the fossil record we have written records of them but then you know for some reason or not they they have gone extinct and then have well, people think they've gone extinct and then have been rediscovered. And so um, my most notable one of something like this is called Neptune's cup sponge, um, which, again, I'm going to send you a link so you can look at some pictures because this sponge, You're holy spoiling us. moly, it is just huge. It grows up to several meters in height. They can grow up to five meters high. They're just, a, it's a very aggressive sponge, uh, if I'm honest.
1: And this is another example? Yeah. This is a link.
2: Yeah, so this is an example uh, of something that...
1: I don't like no, that. No, I know.
2: He's big, right? I don't like that. Uh,
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's the lighting.
1: The lighting of this picture is so menacing. It's like he's... Oh. Oh, he's like showing yeah. up at the campfire and he's like, it's the forest and, I'm, and you're going to die.
2: Oh, I've got an even better photo. No! Freak, <gasps> freak you out. No. <laughs> this is like It's the like little, this is uh,
0: the flashlight under the face kind of look. Yes!
1: Tell me the name of God, you piece of shit.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, oh.
1: oh. And her hand is in its mouth. Isn't uh, nasty big sponge. And then there's like a phantom human behind it.
0: That's <laughs> There's a phantom that's, child. That's its genius
1: screaming for
2: mercy. Oh my god. These things And so I, I should elaborate why they're called um Neptune's a cup sponge is cuz they grow they they look like a cup. Yes. <laughs> I'm about to send you another I one. This it looks yeah. like a giant freaking goblet made out of sponge um, mm. so they grow they kind of look like a goblet or I a don't cup. like
0: that
2: Not, well <laughs> you don't like it but in the earliest early 20th century people freaking loved these things and they wanted them as like a collection item uh. because they were so weird and bizarre looking they wanted to put them on display in their homes which terrifying if you ask me
1: uh-huh. um,
2: and so they thought that they had been farmed to death in, in the early uh, 1900s because people were harvesting them to display their creepy asses. Uh, but in 2011, lucky for us living people, they started to find them again off the coast of Singapore and Thailand. So that, wow. can, that can haunt our dreams forever, that we might one day run into one of these giant sponges. Oh, my God. I can't...
1: Yeah. So, so that counts as part of the classification...
2: Yeah, it's kind of like a loose classification because it was thought to have gone extinct and has come back, um, but we have record of of humans seeing them. That's really cool. Yeah, so that is is the Lazarus taxon, and I'm just going to leave you with uh, just a couple other notable taxons that there are out there that we didn't explore today. One is called the Elvis taxon. Um, and so this is when you find something that you think has re-emerged. So you think it's a Lazarus taxa, a, a taxon, but it's just a lookalike. So it's like if you go to Vegas and you see all of, all of the Elvises <laughs> around, you think you've found Elvis, but it's not quite Elvis. <laughs> um, so that, that's that. And then the final one is called a zombie taxon. And so this is very cool. So this is something that was fossilized uh, in a certain layer of of the bedrock or of of the earth and then because of some disruption so like maybe a massive flood or an earthquake or something that has disrupted all of that the the fossil layers it has moved up in the timeline so it resettles higher than it should be and so these are things that look like they uh, went extinct much later than they actually did. So it looks like they're kind of like zombies, like coming back to life. Oh, oh, oh um, that's which, so cool. Which is really, really cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, so that was my deep dive into taxons and scary looking sponges.
1: That is amazing. That is super good.
2: <laughs> Thank you. I We yeah. had so much fun on this one. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> Not that we don't have fun on everyone, but these I was so surprised at where we all ended up.
1: This these are genuinely creepy though. I oh I don't know. <laughs>
0: that one that, that one you sent looks like it's bats hanging down. Like it looks like bats on a goblet.
2: It does. <laughs> I don't like it.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna have to tag these on Twitter. <laughs>
2: Imagine drinking beer out of it, though. No!
1: (laughs) (laughs) I feel like something's missing. I feel like I didn't say anything intelligent about Sarah's finding because I'm just so horrified. (laughs) (laughs) Like, usually I say something that's like how this profound. affected my life. <laughs> yes. I'm just like, I'm like, I really hate the way that I think the same part of like someone's body that like feels good with ASMR stuff. Like I feel like the bad part of that when I look at these sponges <laughs> and it has
2: completely thrown me off. It's <laughs> That's just, okay. We can end today's episode in a little bit of disgust. <laughs> Toward the Neptune sponge.
1: How am I gonna genuinely muster up a thanks for hanging out with us? <laughs> oh my God <laughs> It was nice to see you for the last time. Please don't block me on Twitter when I share pictures.
0: <laughs> oh, the Neptune sponge.
1: <laughs> Hold on, this this is a little odd. Like the way that we all we all tapped into like ancient stuff this time. And we all started with think- Randang. Randang.
2: <laughs> I think we're the type of people, though, that do like the weird and the kooky, especially the older, like, understanding history. Because yeah. I think we are very, we do have those science minds that are like, why the fuck does that exist? And, and we, <laughs> we want to know.
1: <laughs> I kind of love that with Wikipedia. It's like, a little bit of a safe zone. So you can be like, Oh, what's that? And click on it and know that you're not about to be like, like really fucked up as a result. Like you can't do that on Reddit. You
2: definitely can. Yes. No, you know, you end up very scarred.
1: Yeah. So I kind of, which I'm now learning because I've never been on Reddit before, but I really like that. Like with Wikipedia, you can just so innocently be like, Oh, I would really like to know what that is. Click. And just nowhere else on the internet is so kind. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: I guess that's, I guess that's me appreciating the internet. I don't know. <laughs> Does, I appreciate you internet. It doesn't really Internet's sound that an awful
2: place. It is. This should
1: never have existed. I saw this tweet that was basically, <laughs> this tweet was basically like, hey, if you're not doing well on Twitter, it's okay because you were never meant to hear the trauma and ideas of millions of people at the same time. <laughs> God. Yeah,
2: that's yeah. So true, though.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is. And it's like, that's exactly why I feel overwhelmed on the internet. It's like, holy shit, I'm not supposed to know this much about so many people.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm feeling too many things. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um,
1: okay, sorry, I can do the outro. Okay. <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. Uh, G- I don't even mean giggly. it.
2: <laughs> you giggle, giggle, bitch.
0: Run
1: away as fast as
0: you can. <laughs> Run from these Neptune sponges. They'll get you. Run. 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 <laughs> that stupid
1: Run. Song. I love that song. I love it,
2: <laughs> especially like the videos of dogs or cats doing it. The- <laughs> run <laughs>
1: run. <laughs> <laughs> well thanks for running with us um through and away from <laughs> wikipedia <laughs>
2: um we so glad you joined us
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. maybe you are not um but yeah thank you thank you for spending time with us thanks for hanging out with us and killing an hour or so and we Absolutely want to hear the weird places you have end up and found yourself. So please shout at us on Go Ask Alice Pod on Twitter. Thanks for being around. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't have any I don't have any alcohol so I can't take a shot before this <laughs>